Good morning, good news. You guys are looking beautiful and handsome. A little bit. Somebody said I'm trying. <laughs> yeah, my nine-year-old son uh, reminded me that I'm not to call him beautiful anymore. Yeah, he has he take he has an issue with that. But anyway, um, uh, so. I have limited amount of time and God did something in first service. I didn't want to do it a second service, but he said, do it. So we're going to do it. Is that okay? Uh, okay. So let's begin. Did he leave? Where did he go? No. Huh. All right. We're going to begin with my brother right here with the hat, with the Ohio State hat. Lift up your hand. I'm not going to hold it against you that you got the hat on. But um, so... See, during worship, I was looking around and figuring out, okay, God, uh, what's going on? And what are you trying to say to some people? He highlighted you specifically. And the one thing that I heard, the one word that I seen was direction. And God was saying, place your hand on mine right now. Because if you're looking for direction, if you're looking for where to go, the next steps, God is saying, place your hand on me and trust me. So I hear that your word this morning is trust. He is trustworthy. Amen. All right. Dude, I got to find this brother. Somebody sitting in this area and. You don't get it. Fine. (laughs) I'm literally lost a couple of because some of them came up here and then they went back and I lost somebody else. Hey, Rushton, are you here? Rushton Gunther? Okay, who, where's the brother that you were praying with? Right up here. Where is he? Oh, he's way up there. So you guys don't get to see him. He's way up there. All right. Hey, my brother, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's happening. But when Rushton was praying for you here, there was something I sensed God saying to you. And saying, you are a conqueror. I literally seen you as an old knight. Dressed in old battle gear, man. And God is saying, you are more than a conqueror. And don't see yourself as somebody that doesn't have the power, doesn't have the strength. And I pray that you will walk in the authority and power of Christ Jesus in your life. Amen. And we're going to keep with that theme in the balcony. There's a young man over here and you're wearing shorts. And that's the first thing I noticed about you. I was like, he's wearing shorts. He's nuts. Right over here. Right. That's you. Yeah. In the hoodie. Can you stand up? This young man right here. All right, so he's wearing shorts, and my, my boys love to do this, and I don't do it, but um, I looked over, and you were up there just standing, minding your own business, and as soon as I looked at you, I was reminding of Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, okay? And the Bible says, I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a great future, and God is saying, listen, I got plans for you, but see, that means nothing unless you seek him out to figure out what the plans are. So God is saying, seek me for I have planned for you. All right, man, sit down. Thank you. All right. Praise God. Um, so first of all, uh, I'm Raphael, one of the pastors here. Pastor Jason Carter, our lead pastor is on vacation and he is getting much needed rest and actually seeking the Lord, uh, for you on your behalf. And so please, please be praying for him. Um, God has called us to pray for our leaders 
and those in authority over us. So please pray for him. Pray for Carissa, his wife, for Caleb and Brianna, his son and daughter. So please commit yourselves to doing so. Um, and so also, I want to take just a moment to thank you on behalf of our associate pastors, our pastoral team. We want to thank you so much for your generosity and for your love. You guys, this is a special place, but it's because you guys are special. So you have shown us your generosity and your love through this Pastors Appreciation Month. Thank you so, so much for the giving of your finances, for the cards that we receive, for the baked goodies, everything. You guys are amazing. So I want you to give yourself a hand. <laughs> Praise God. Thank you. So appreciate you. All right, and I have very limited time, and now we're going to jump into the Word. Can we do that? All right, can we please please stand? We're going to read out of Second Peter chapter one, uh, verses one through uh, five, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation, and it begins like this: This letter is from Simon Peter, a slave and apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. May God give you more and more grace, say grace, grace. and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and in Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, say his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all this by coming to know him. And the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In verse 5, in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And I'm going to stop right there. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your people. I thank you, God, for what you're doing in their lives. I thank you, God, for what you, they are yet to see you do in their lives, Lord. I pray that every ear may be open to hear what your spirit has to say. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will have your ways and the minds and the hearts of your people. I pray that you will move right now to transform, transform and change. God, do what only you can do in this place. Use this Feeble and humble vessel, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So Second Peter is one of the most disputed and argue about letters in the New Testament. And um, what are they arguing about? The theologians and experts are arguing about that, that Peter really write this letter. Right? And the reason for that is because First Peter and Second Peter are so different in the writing style of the actual letter, right? And so some, they look at the differences and say, well, Peter could not possibly have written both of these letters. And they believe that first Peter was written by him, but they don't believe that second Peter was. And so, but others look then at the similarities between the two and say, well, his circumstances had changed and perhaps he was do- using a different scribe, a different person to actually write this letter. And we know that Peter used a scribe to write the letters as he mentions in first Peter chapter five, verse 12. He says, I have written First Peter, that letter, I have written and sent this short letter to you with help 
with the help of Silas, whom I commend to you as a faithful brother. So we hear in first Peter that Silas helped him write the first letter. And then some theologians are saying that perhaps Silas did not help him write second Peter. So you may be you may be thinking and say, okay, why are we talking about this? Because I know that some of you Bible nerds care about this. Okay? I know not everybody here cares about that. And and as soon as I start saying that Peter wrote second Peter, you're gonna say, Hold up. There's an argument about that. So I just want to get that out of the way. Some of you are like me, I don't care who wrote it, just read it, let's get on with it. Right? Some of you are in that camp. But I just want to make sure that those of you that actually like studying the word and looking at the root of things and diving deeper, that you actually, that actually put that out there. So for the sake of our conversation this morning, we will all assume that Peter wrote this letter, okay? Which is my camp, and you don't have to agree with me, but I'm the one preaching. So that's what we're going to do. All right. Um, you know, it's very interesting what the, the IVP Bible background commentary says about Second Peter. It says that Second Peter is clearly one of those ancient letters intended for wide circulation. Although the style indicates that it is not directed towards the highest literary circles who normally read such letters. That means that these kind of letters normally went to the highly educated people, but Second Peter does not seem to fit that bill. Um, besides being a general letter... Some scholars have found in it elements of testament, testamentary gen, genre, which means that testaments were final instruction left by dying fathers or leaders. This could mean that perhaps Peter wrote this letter when he was almost dying or he was close to death. So that is very important. Why? Because if I am almost dying and I'm going to write you a letter, I'm not going to write to you. It's going to be cold in Omaha tomorrow. Right? I'm going to sh sh write stuff that is a, has a little bit more substance and things that are a lot more important than just that. So the title of this message is, You Have Everything You Need. Can we say that? You say, I have everything I need. Okay. So we just read in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3 says that God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Other translation says God has given us all things pertaining to life and godliness. So he has given us everything we need. So how does this happen? What is it that we need and what is it that we have, right? I'm glad you're asking. We're going to cover three points Three areas of what we need and what we have to live a godly life. And we have everything we need. Number one is knowledge. We need knowledge. Verse three says, we have received all this by coming to know him. By coming to know him. By coming to know Christ. By coming to know Jesus. Right? You say, well, that's simple enough. Right? No, wrong. I have found out that in our culture... We have watered down what it means to know somebody. Okay? So, for example, my teenage son, uh, as I look at his Instagram and all the people that follow him, bunch, hundreds of people following him, and I say, hey, do you know all these people? He says, sure, yeah, I know them all, Dad. I say, you know them all. He's like, yeah, I know them all. 
And I said, hey, listen, just because you know their name and that they go to your same school doesn't mean you know them. But it's how we think of things. Like, oh, yeah, I know them. But this is not the knowing that the Bible is talking about here. Let's look a little bit at the root words for knowing in our English language to know. So in the New Testament, the Greek word is oida or ginosko. Which is very, very interesting because these words, um, the Baker's Dictionary of Biblical Theology say that these words have various nuances of meaning of the English word know. They have been influenced by the Hebrew word yada, which is to know is not to be intellectually informed about some abstract principle, but is to apprehend and to experience reality. This is so, so important. Because when Peter's talking about coming to know him, he's not talking about the information of knowing Jesus. He's talking about experiencing Jesus. It's not information, it's experience. Experiencing him for who he is. And it's interesting because the same thing happened to me with my wife, with Victoria. Right? When I first met her, I seen her and I said, who? I asked the first question, who is that? What's her name? Did she come here with a dude? I did not ask if she was single because I really didn't care. Don't, don't judge me. I was still in the world. And so um, that was not something I cared about. But I was asking for what? Information. And then I asked for the digits. More information. Which some of the younger people are saying, digits, what are you talking about? Yeah, like snap. Like, yeah, ask for a snap. So, so that's how, that was all information. And information is good. Information, there's a time for information. And it is important, but it's not everything. When it comes to knowing Christ, you have to experience him. And you have to experience who he truly is. So if you're lost, he is your savior. If you're sick, he's your healer. If you're brokenhearted, he is the restorer, right? He is hope if you're hopeless. So you have to experience Christ for who he is. That's to, that is what it means to know him. I love what Leonard Ravenhill says. I love this quote. And Leonard Ravenhill says that a man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. A man with an experience of God is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. You know why that means so much to me? Because when I came to Christ, I did not know much about Christ. I knew him just this much. But one thing I knew, that I had had an experience with him. That I was like this, and he transformed me, and now I am this. And now the things that I used to enjoy as a pig over here, I do not enjoy anymore as a lamb. Do you understand what I'm saying? So anybody that came up to me and I have friends that say, no, 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 no. Listen, Raphael, the uh, Jesus thing is just a phase. I say, no, 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 no. Listen to me. I experienced him. We can't argue about that. So you may say, well, I don't know enough about God and theologically. You know enough because your life is a testament of what he's able to do. But see, it doesn't stop there. 
So when you come to know him, it doesn't stop there. Listen to what Peter says in verse two. He says, may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord, as you grow in the knowledge of God. There's the knowing and there's, there's the growing. So you have to grow in your knowledge of God. This is so, so important because some of us. Some of us live our lives like the experience that we had with Christ 10 years ago is going to sustain us today. Like the experience that we have five years ago, a year ago, even a month ago, even a week ago is going to sustain us. Listen, there are things coming your way that you know to, you need to know Jesus in a new way. And we need to grow in that knowledge of who he is. It's like what happened with, with Victoria and I. So I knew her, right? We, um, we went through this season and, and I was getting to know her and we had a relationship before Jesus. Then we got saved. We were together for like 11 months. Got saved both together, transformed. Then for 11 months, then we were uh, engaged, right? Which was hell for me as a dude that I wasn't supposed to do these things now anymore that I used to do in these 11 months. But they were actually a blessing. Is anybody following you? Okay. So those 11 months were happening and we were getting to know each other like I've never known a woman like that. So we were talking and spending time together. So we were getting to know each other a lot. But there was some special knowing that happened when we were on a honeymoon. So we go to Jamaica and I'm going to take you right to our bedroom. Actually, our very own bed. And some of you are getting really, really nervous. But I love it. So listen, what happened was that we turn off the lights and we're sleeping. And all of a sudden, a hand goes on my leg. Boom. I'm like, whoa, what happened? And she's like, stop shaking. I'm like, what? She said, yes, stop shaking. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, you keep shaking your leg. I've been doing that to go to sleep for 20 plus years. And now you tell me that this is a problem? I said, Jesus, we've got a problem. And she said, well, if you want to sleep on this bed... You have to stop shaking. And how many of the dudes in here know that I wanted to sleep in the bed? <laughs> like, there's no surprise. But I said, this is crazy. So guess what? I don't shake anymore in bed. <laughs> Why am I telling you this? Because it's the same thing with God. You knew some things about him, but now you know more. And guess what? There's a lot more to know about him. Because guess what? He is infinite. And when you think you've known enough, you don't know anything. And there's so much more that he wants you to know about him. Okay? So, this is what I want to leave you with when it comes to that point of knowing Christ. I pray that your lifelong pursuit is to know Christ. To really know him. Because it is that important. All right. What else do we need for living a godly life? We find that in verse 3. And it is power. Power. Verse 3 says, by his divine power. Can you say that with me? By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Whose power? His power. Not your power. Not your own abilities. Which I try to do. I've tried before. It doesn't work. Some of us work hard and harder and harder to actually live a godly life. And we're trying to do that outside of his power. 
doesn't work. Let's look a little bit about to the um, the Greek word dunamis. This word for power. Inherent power, power to reproduce itself, power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. <laughs> Do you realize that the power of God is because it's who he is, it's his nature? So it resides within him. You realize that in order for the power that we possess by Holy Spirit or through Holy Spirit, Do you realize that it needed to reproduce itself? That it needed to be reproduced from me to you, to you, to you, to you, to you? It had to reproduce itself, right? I love this. Many of you know where power comes from. But I'm going to tell you again. Acts 1.8. You guys know the scripture. But you you will receive what? Power, when Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, until the ends of the earth. You will receive power when who has come upon you. God himself is the source of power. Holy Spirit is the source of that power. See, and that power is a gift. Acts 1.4 says... Once, this is Jesus, when, when, he had, when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized in water, but in just a few days you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's a gift from God. It was a promise of the Father, and they needed to wait for that gift. So important. Remember that the word dunamis has a root word dunamai. And dunamai is to be able to, to give ability to. That's the root word. And it's so important because it is Holy Spirit that enables you. It is Holy Spirit that enables me to actually live this godly life by his divine power. We have everything we need to live a a godly life. Holy Spirit, listen to what what it says in chapter 2, verse 37 of the book of Acts. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of of the Holy of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you for your children for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God will call to himself why is that important because they need a holy spirit and you and I need holy spirit it is not a thing of the past As some may want to tell you, it is not a thing that just the apostles and the disciples and the first century church needed. Because let me tell you, if they needed Holy Spirit to live a godly life, do you think you and I need to live a a godly and holy life? Yes, we do. So we need the power of God. We need God himself to actually be in us to help us live this life. And this is what it says here. So it says... This promise is for you, meaning 
the hearer right now, for your children, their generations, for all who are, who are far off, meaning whoever's not right here right now, that is far, yeah, that's for them too. But look at this. Everyone whom the Lord our God will cause to himself. That's you and I. You have been called by God to himself. And you answer the call. See, God is always calling people. Some answer, some don't. Just like your cell phone. You can look at it and hit ignore. Right? I know you do it. (laughs) But the gift of the Spirit, the promise of Holy Spirit is for you as well. Holy Spirit is a promise. And that leads me to the final ingredient for living a godly life. And his promise. The promises of God. Verse 4 says, And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Listen what it says after that. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption. You mean to tell me then that... um, God's promises enable me to live this way, to share his divine nature. What does that even mean? This may make some people uncomfortable because when we're talking about people like you and I that are so broken, sharing in God's divine nature. Hold up. What are we talking about here? Well, in whose image were you created? Say it proud and loud. Okay, so you were created in the image of God. Who, if you're a believer, who lives inside of you? Holy Spirit. Okay. Is Holy Spirit God? Does he have the divine nature? So it sounds to me like you may just have a little bit of that divine nature DNA in you. Listen. I was sick and tired of one point to living like I was a second class citizen in the kingdom. And I'm not. And you're not. So start living like it. Period. These promises of God enable you to share in his divine nature. That means, you know what the promise of God means? That he said it. And that settles it. And then what are you going to do about it? That's what it is. Let's look a little bit. Let's look real quick at that Greek word for promises. Promise is the word epangalia. What does it mean? So epangalia is an announcement. I love that. It's the act of promising. It's a promise given or, or to be given. I absolutely love this because it's an announcement. Like when you get engaged. Hey, we got an announcement. You see it all over social media. We got pregnant. We got an announcement. We're debt free. We got an announcement. And God is saying, I got an announcement. Actually, no, I have hundreds of announcements. He has hundreds and hundreds of promises for you and for me. That he has spoken. But now what are you going to do about that? That's how we share his divine nature. And that's how we escape this world's corruption that comes by our own human desires. That's how. But you know what must be done? 
We must stand on those promises. As verse 5 says, the first part of verse 5 says, In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Peter's saying, in view of all of this, God's divine power, right? Knowing Christ and his promises, in view of all of that, make every effort to respond to God's promises. That is so, so important. So how, would, how do we even respond to God's promises? Well, I'm going to give you a quick example. We were going through in our preaching team meeting and we were together. And so I, I had asked the team to, to provide some scriptures and things that, that promises that they had to stand on in the time of, in their lives to, to actually see God move on their behalf. And Mickey uh, send Philippians chapter 2, verse 9 through 11. And this is what it says. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above, that is above other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the, God the Father. So when she read this, she read this when she was 15 years old. And she read that God has given Jesus a name above every name. And that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. She read that and she said, that's for my brother. That's for my brother. And she really felt that God was asking her, hey, your brother needs to bow his knee to me and declare that I'm Lord. So she began praying for her brother. She was 15. He was 17. She was 35 when he gave his life to the Lord. 20 years. Now, does that mean that that promise was not real? Does that mean that God had, did not say, your brother is coming and he's going to buy his need before me? God made that announcement. Now, was, what was she going to do about it? Responding to God's promises. So it took 20 years, but she stood on that. And some of you perhaps have been holding on to a promise from God for a long time. The promise didn't change just because time has passed. God is faithful to his promises. One of our staff members also said that Romans 10, 11 was very, very impactful to her. And it says in the scriptures, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. And she said, I've dealt with shame my whole life. And when I read that, she said, I took that. I took hold of that because I believe in him. So I know that I will not be put to shame. Isn't that powerful? And that's what it means. That's when you get into the scriptures and you read these promises that God has made. And you say, yeah, that's, that's for me. Okay, Lord. I believe and I trust you. You know, I want to speak to those of you that have been, had not yet seen a promise fulfilled. And I'm going to tell you just this simple words. Don't give up. Don't give up. Whether it's for the salvation of a loved one, don't give up. Whether it's for healing, don't give up. Whether it's for relationship or restoration, don't give up. And I want to share these two scriptures with you. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. 
Listen to what it says in Psalm 145, in the second part of that verse 13. The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does, meaning that there is grace, which is a gift from God, giving you what you don't deserve. Some of you are going and have gone through a lot of painful situations. And perhaps you're there today. Say, man, there's a lot of pain in my life. And I'm trying to stand in what God has said through his promises. But it's painful. I want to remind you today that God's promises provide purpose for the pain. God's promises provide purpose for the pain. And I want to share this last scripture with you, if that's you. Psalm 71, 20 through 21 says this. You have allowed me to suffer much hardship, but you will, but you will restore me to life again. And lift me up from the depth of the earth. You will restore me to even greater honor and comfort me once again. That is the faithfulness of your God. Can you stand? we begin to close guys upstairs those are the the three point that everything that you need knowledge power promises upstairs i want you if you can put that that bridge and that that song do it again where he says your promise still stands okay because we were singing this earlier when i looked at that i said huh brilliant yeah your promise still stands great is your faithfulness i'm still in your hands This is my confidence. You've never failed me yet. And maybe you can't say those words. Maybe you say, well, God has failed me. No, he hasn't. Maybe people have. Maybe life has. But God has never failed you. First, I want to talk to those of you that you know of Jesus, but you don't really know him. I want to give you an opportunity right now to actually know him. So if that's you, if you lift your hand that's you you say i want to know jesus i want to know i want to know him just like you're talking about who he is and what he has done and what he will continue to do if that's you let me see your hands because we want to pray i see your hands thank you anybody else okay see your hand sir i see your hand young man see your hand See your hand. See yours. So when I'm talking about knowing Jesus, I'm talking about giving your life to him for the first time, perhaps, or maybe again, because you messed up before. I just want to make sure that we're clear on that. And if that is you, I'm going to ask you to do something very bold right now. And that's to come down here so I can pray with you. Okay. I did that before. And that's why I'm here. Because there's no shame. Come on. Come on. That's a long walk, but continue to take it. Yep. Come on.
do something before we do anything else. And I need you guys to help me. We need to thank God for what just happened. I know that you were helping him by clapping. Listen, I want us to actually say it with our mouth because this is not anything I've done. This is all that he's doing. So let's thank him for a moment. Just take a moment. God, I thank you so much for what you're doing and these that are right here at this altar. These that have come forward, God. To know you. Thank you, God, that by your spirit you have done this. Thank you, Lord, that you take all the credit. Thank you, God, that you receive all the honor, the fame, and the glory. Thank you so much for these lives, God. For the for I know that there is a party going on in heaven, that there's rejoicing going on because these have made a choice. They have said, it's not enough to have information about Jesus. I want to experience him. God, and I pray right now for each and every one of them that they would experience you like never before, that they would experience their savior, their father, their friend, the one that will always be there, never leave them, never forsake them. God, thank you for them. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask some of our teams, if you're part of our prayer team, altar team, if you take a moment and come and pray with them. I know it takes boldness takes boldness to do what you guys have done this morning but God's promises are true amen so if they pray with them and they will lead them in, in some conversation and prayer I want to speak to the rest of you there is that knowing peace right so these altars are going to be open for you and your father you can take a moment and you can do it in your seat right there if you want to take a moment yourself but it is I want to grow in knowing him right I want to receive this promise of power that by his divine power I can live this godly life and the third one is his promises perhaps you have received a promise and you gave up on that promise or perhaps you don't even know what the promise is come up here and ask God God what are you promising me today okay let me pray for the rest of you Father I thank you for this group of individuals for this family for this group of believers God I pray God that you will remind us of what it means to grow in the knowledge of Christ that, you're, that you will pour out your spirit upon every single one of them, God, to overflow. God, that we'll receive that power, that gift of being baptized in Holy Spirit. And I pray, God, that you remind us of your promises, that you help us to stay faithful to what you have spoken. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. God bless you. See you Wednesday night. And don't forget, Emanate Create downstairs.